Squared Comics Podcast, episode 13! 13? Yep. Um, That's an odd odd number. It is. Well, it comes after 12, comes before 14. Not that odd. It's just a number. All right, I'm Drew. I'm Don. I'm Scott. And Don's on the phone, so if you can't hear him very well, I'm sorry. That's as loud as this phone goes, and I have it right next to the other phone, so... That, so we'll get all sorts of crazy feedback. That's how we're doing it. I'm sure if you stick your head in there, you're going to get brain cancer. I'm 100% sure can, of that. Can you not hear me? Of course. No, we can hear you. What? Okay. I just don't know how well they can hear you over the my phone picking up your phone. That's all I'm saying. I gotcha. But neither one is 5G, so maybe no brain cancer. I think we might be all right with the brain cancer thing. 5G, yeah. That causes the brain cancer. Okay. Doesn't it? I thought it was 5G. I thought it was the uh, vaccination that caused brain cancer. No, that has tracker chips in it. Oh. Yeah, tracker chips. The tracker chips don't cause brain cancer? No, they cause uh, liver cancer. Oh, okay. But anyway, we're the Evil Squid Comics Podcast. We get together about every couple weeks, and we talk about comic books and movies and TV shows. And Don was just saying, which I can't believe he said this, that the Suicide Squad trailer does not look very good and that James Gunn has lost his magic. The reaction I saw online was people thought it looked like the greatest thing since basically Guardians of the Galaxy. I watched right. that. I saw it. It looked a lot like Guardians of the Galaxy, but yet Deadpool matched with Guardians of the Galaxy because it's more of a rated R type thing. So it's odd that you said it doesn't look good because I think everybody else thought it looked great. I was kind of on the fence... Everybody else liked the other Suicide Squad movie and the Harley Quinn movie. No, they the didn't. Justice Nobody League liked movie. those movies. I have not talked what? to a single person who liked the first Suicide Squad movie. And I haven't talked God. to a single person who liked the Birds of Prey movie. Mm, I thought Birds of Prey was God. okay. See, okay. That's not liking it. That's just saying it's okay. And Suicide Squad was not very good. Yeah, even Scott admits Suicide Squad was bad. Oh, now he's backpedaling. He's he is not backpedaling. Scott, no, no one, I've never met a single person who likes Suicide Squad. I thought it was tolerable, but it was not a good movie. What does Scott think of the trailer? What do you think of the trailer, Scott? It was okay. I mean, I don't know if I really thought too much about it, um, quite honestly. I mean, it seems like it's rather slapstick or something weird. I guess you guys are, you're probably right, very Guardians of the Galaxy-like. Slash but I don't even remember Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, though, either. Because going into that movie, I you found the whole know. thing yeah. very surprising. So um, I can I could understand your feel that the trailer felt like a Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't know. Uh, well, it seems like James Gunn has a very distinct humor style I would agree. of movie, and it looks very similar to what he's done. And that may be why I didn't even put too much into the trailer because to, to me the trailer was forgettable i wow. guess yeah very very forgettable and bad i don't think it was bad but that's interesting like i said we will see when it comes out and you're gonna go see it and we'll see if you like it I will i'll watch it. See it you're not gonna go see it no he's got hbo max he will see it suicide squad it's... isn't coming to hbo max oh really Oh, Isn't that right, Don? I have no idea. Oh, I thought you knew these things. No, huh. I just Scott's, Scott's going to Google it. I went to see F9. Cool. Yeah, I saw Quiet Place Part 2. Have you seen that? Have either of you? No, I have not. 
My wife did, and she didn't seem to be overly impressed. Oh. Did she like the first one? Yeah, but probably not as much as I did. Okay. If you like the first one, you'll like this one, because it's like a continuation it's like the of the first story. one. Well, no, it's really a continuation. It really feels like it just continues the story, and it does have progression in the overall like story, so I think that works to its benefit. Like It doesn't feel like it's a rehash. It really feels like these characters this is what happens to them next. You right. Know? So, and I think they could totally do a third one. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's kind of like, I feel like it's John Krasinski's like post-apocalyptic zombie movie, but without zombies, basically. You know, Into the World. It's so, like his Walking Dead sh uh, TV show. So according to HBO Max... Yes, they will be in the, the Suicide Squad will be in theaters, theaters and on HBO Max on August fifth. Really? Yep. I thought I read somewhere it wasn't going to be on HBO Max. I I stand corrected. Scott Scott Googled me to death and he showed me I was wrong. So well, you will be you will be able to watch it. So then you, I will watch it. When you watch on HBO Max, we'll see what you say. I bet you're going to love it. That's my prediction. <laughs> Because you, you liked the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, right? I did. Did you like Deadpool? I did. All right, you'll like it then. That's exactly nope. what it is. It's Deadpool meets Guardians of the Galaxy. With terrible characters. No. All right, did you, did you see Birds of Prey? Yes. How was that? I did not like it. Okay. Mm. You'll like uh, Suicide Squad. I'm sure you will. I Birds predict. of Prey is the Harley Quinn movie, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe my expectations for those DC movies is so low that I actually thought it was okay. I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but it entertained me. So I don't I don't stand for crap, Scott. Don don't stand for crap. That's, I think I've he has I, that tattooed on his forehead. I think it's just the overall crap that we've gotten from. Warner Brothers in the DC Universe that I'm like, if I find anything that's a little bit, you know, entertaining, I consider it okay, so. There you go. Well, I, I haven't done that yet. And for me, Birds of Prey had a couple, I, I found the action in Birds of Prey to be very good. I thought that there was some really good scenes, like when Harley Quinn's going through the uh, police, um, station shooting the bean bags and, and fighting around i thought that was a really good action scene um and memorable uh there's some other things throughout there too that i thought some of the interaction between some of the characters and things but it, it definitely has a lot to be desired i mean ewan mcgregor and his bad guy was kind of really out there and odd and uh i don't think that the dialogue was necessarily the best i like some of their attempt of trying to be you know a little tell the story out of order type of thing, but that's also been done a whole lot, too. Uh, speaking so, of that, yeah, that, remind, that reminded me of Pulp Fiction. Weird. And I read an interview or whatever, Quentin Tarantino, he's going to do one last movie and then he's retired. Yeah, that's, that's old news, man. Yep. The new news is he put out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a novel. As a book. He's going to? He, he already, already did. did. It's out. That's why yeah. he's doing all this press, is because he's promoting his book. So he's doing all these interviews and pissing everybody off again. Yep. 
And the whole Bruce Lee thing's popping back up again. I know. Bruce Lee's daughter wrote a whole editorial for, like, Hollywood Reporter basically complaining about Tarantino. Again. It's like, let's let's bring it all let's up again. Let's do it again. Let's it all, yeah. Hey, no, pre- no press is bad press. That's, what, that's apparently what Tarantino thinks, because he's saying all sorts of crap in his interviews. Right? Yeah. So. Well, if it gets people to buy his book, what's he care? Exactly. He's retired anyway. He's only doing one more movie. No, he said he's only doing one more, like, directing, writing movie. He said he still might, like, do other stuff, like, write movies, or he's just not going to do any more Quentin Tarantino writing and directing movies. He, t- he acts like he's going to do, like, Broadway play or something. He's all over the place. <laughs> I might have to go to New York for that. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, but he Why does claim he's only doing one more movie. But he is counting Kill Bill 1 and 2 as one movie, technically. Yeah, somebody was saying that they want that he they want to kill Bill Three. That will not be his tenth Swan movie. song. I'm pretty sure. Um, he was he was talking about doing a Star Trek movie. I did hear that one at one point. In time. But he said if he did it, it would be his, his tenth movie. So I'm pretty. Did he? I thought he went the other way. No, no? I thought he said okay. it, it counts, and okay. so I'm guessing he won't be doing Star Trek as his tenth movie. Maybe he will. I don't know. So. I bet you'll be lined up for that one, won't you, Don? Did you? Yes. <laughs> that would be the best Star Trek. The best Mother Evan Star Trek N-word ever. Exactly. So, there you go. If you are offended by the N-word, do not go see this movie. No, in Star Trek, there's, it's the future. There's no racism. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. That's the whole point. Um... Did you guys watch uh, the Tomorrow War? No, I haven't seen that yet. I did watch the Tomorrow War. Is it good? Should I watch it? Ooh. Okay. Is it worth? You told Dad to watch. I did. I haven't seen it yet. So it's a little. Why are you telling him to watch stuff you're not watching? Dad's got more time than me, man. It's a little too long for what it is, but so it. It's basically a throwback to the films of kind of their disaster films of like the 90s and things. Okay. So if you liked, say, like Independence Day. Who didn't like Independence Day, Scott? Say Armageddon, (laughs) you know. Who didn't like Armageddon? Tear. What? So that's the thing is if you want to relive the nostalgia of those type of movies... You will enjoy the Tomorrow War. Well, of course. If you have, if your tastes have changed, changed and developed evolved. and evolved to the point that you don't want just brainless, you know, action type things where you turn off your brain, you may not like this. Oh, okay. So, so it's not like Terminator type where there's a little bit of cerebral to it. Oh God, no, no. Okay. In fact, you really need to turn your brain off for it because if you try no, to think too hard dude, about it's it, brilliant. It, it's brilliant. It's like one of the best movies brilliant. I've seen. Oh boy. <laughs> did we talk about Army of the Dead on here? I can't remember. Yeah, I think we okay. did. If not, we talked about it outside of it. And okay. I was not a huge fan of Army of the Dead, but it's I might, but Army I know that my expectations were too high, even knowing that Zack Snyder, yeah, that it? Snyder was involved. Fair, fair. I I think the mix up of genres that he was trying to do made me excited, and it just instead pissed me off. So I wasn't a huge fan of Army of the Dead. Well, it's okay. it was it made sense to have hope because his best movie was the Dawn of the Dead supposedly, and that was a long. Uh, it could be, could so. be. So I don't know. But with the Tomorrow War, it it was entertaining, and it's got some 
and some good acting. It it moves at a fairly decent pace, but it's just a a big disaster film with characters that should have no reason actually doing what they're doing, you know, type thing. I don't know. The movie itself just to me didn't make much sense at all uh, for what it, you know, it's just a pure popcorn flick to to enjoy. I'm even more excited now. So my wife liked it. it, So it made perfect sense. I don't understand what you're saying. (laughs) It made perfect sense. Okay. You didn't understand it. I don't think that's what Scott is saying. I overall understood the gist of it, but <laughs> if you try to put things together on this timey-wimey crap that they were trying to do, it makes no sense why the characters did some of the stupid shit that they did, you know, type things. They did it for dramatic effect to make the audience go, <gasps> yes, but, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the details. Of it, don't but spoil this movie but there's some me. there's some things in there in which you're like, why is he even doing that, you know, type of type of stuff, you know, things. And, you know, some of the characters in general are just, you know, they're there for, you know, their particular effects, you know, of things. For humor and whatever else. Huh. What did you think, though? You watched it, right? That's my favorite movie of the year. Dude. It's your favorite movie of the year, huh? It's not movie of the year, but I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was terrible. Like I, I liked it. I didn't. I didn't think it was terrible either. I was entertained. You know, as a popcorn flick, it's just a movie in which I like some of that type of stuff with a nostalgia factor. You know, but as I'm watching this whole thing, I'm thinking of man, this thing reminds me of you know a mix up of Independence Day with Armageddon. You know, type of thing, you know, in, in different ways. It's just purely... And time travel. Yeah. And so, yeah, so maybe a little bit of Terminator, some, pick a crappy Terminator movie thrown in, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, but they got Chris Pratt and J.K. Simmons, right? So how can you go wrong? Yes. Exactly, you know, on some <laughs> of that. But, I mean, I can't believe that J.K. Simmons could actually deliver some of his lines with a straight face, you know, in some, some cases, so... Well, I remember I mean, when I was, like... A teenager, college, whatever, and I saw The Rock in the theaters. Do you remember the movie The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery? Yes. I said, this is the dumbest movie ever, but it is completely saved by the charisma of the actors. Absolutely. Like, that movie was good because of the actors. Well, and what? Ed Harris was the bad guy, right? Yeah. So it was, and all, so it was really... So, I mean, the charisma of the actors totally sold that movie. Otherwise, the plot was stupid, the script oh, was stupid. It's but, dumb as dirt. But, yeah. And but so, it was fun. So I would think, so, like, this kind of movie... So maybe, you're right. Maybe it's saved by the charisma. The Rock is kind of in the same type of vein of the Tomorrow War, you know, type stuff. Big action sets, you know, the cool explosions, you know, special effects, all that things, and some charisma of the actors. You're exactly right. Because there's a lot of characters in it that are fun, you know, in their own ways. But (laughs) something that could... I mean, you really are just checking your brain out of the door and just wanting to sit down and, and relax and just enjoy a goofy movie. Is really what it is. Is that how you felt, Don? You just had fun? Yeah. Cool. See? You said best movie of the year, but you really haven't seen anything this year. I saw F9. Oh, okay. That's true. That is true. I did watch... uh, That was terrible. I watched Fear Street. I wish I wouldn't have wasted money on it. Nathan Hoist says Xander says hello. Hi, Xander. We got we got somebody watching on Facebook. We have people watching, <gasps> so you better be on your best behavior, Don. Hey, did, I watched uh, Fear Street on Netflix. Oh, is that horrible? The nineteen ninety four. Um, 
Oh, did that come out? When did it come out? Uh, 1994 came out Friday, and I think the 1970-something comes out this Friday. Part two. Son it's a, a bitch. It came out Friday? I didn't even know about it. It's a three-part thing. So, yeah. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Is that the... That's not the American Horror Story thing, is it? Um, I don't think so. This one's called Fear Street. In yeah, which I saw the trailer for that. That looked terrible. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> here again, terrible. it's a nostalgia thing. If you like the kind of slasher-type horror of the 90s, that's what, what you're going for. Summer. So... I know what you did last summer, Scream, you know, that's really what this is in the vein in, you know, type stuff. It's, there again, not very, the characters don't do very smart things, things like this. Well, but, Scream subverted the genre conventions. And I know what you did last summer did not. That is true. Although, it is, this is trying to be, not really expand it maybe expand on something i don't know okay. it's it, it feels very scream like in some cool. some respects but then it feels like maybe a mix of say you know add scream with a little bit of uh um jason or you know uh, mike myers or something like this you know thrown in and and stuff so i don't know as a if you're in for it, if you're in for a horror slasher type film you know of things that was out in the 90s this is pretty good. I thought it did a good job of kind of replicating some of that feel of those type of things. Um, if you didn't like those movies, you won't like this movie. So, I saw um, the you best. Said Mike Myers is that the Love Guru or Austin Powers? Mike oh, Myers. no, Neither Michael those. Myers or whatever. Oh, Mike. I saw Myers. the best TV show of the year. Yeah, Mayor of Easttown. Have either of you guys watched that? No. Uh. Okay, you gotta watch Mayor of Easttown. Best show I've seen, like, in the... I like the way he's trying to figure out if we've seen it first before he tells us what he, he's like. It's on HBO Max, so yeah, you okay. might have trouble. I won't be able to watch it then. Dang it, Scott. But you can watch it, Don. Barbara would probably like it, too. It's just a murder mystery type thing. Yeah? Super well done. I, I've seen it. Oh, you watched it? No, I've seen that it's on. I have not oh. watched it. I'm aware I know that it, it exists. exists. Fair enough. Yeah, you should watch it. It's really good. It's only seven episodes. Nice. T tells a complete story. Sweet. Yep, it's really good. And it's got that one lady in it. Kate Winslet. Yeah, her. Yep, her. Titanic. Yep, and it's got the Pam's fiancé from The Office. Roy? Hmm. Roy. Which one's Roy? Pam's fiance from The Office. Oh, the warehouse. She only guy? has yeah, Roy. Gotcha. How many fiancés does she have? Two. Huh? <laughs> Technically, she did have two. I know. <laughs> but I didn't say Jim, so. But the been... other one was busy making that other movie. The Quiet Place. One. Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> Uh, yes, that one. Yeah, Mary Easttown, really good. I would definitely recommend it. So, so I had to watch um, F9, so you guys have to hear about it. No, we really don't. Here's what I understand. So before you talk... is it a, It's a better superhero franchise, though, than DC. Okay, wait. Let me say something. So Dad said you saw it, and you were, like, disappointed. And what I don't understand is how you can go see a Fast and Furious movie <laughs> and be disappointed. Because it's exactly... All it does is meet expectations. Like, 
they're exactly what you expect, right? So did you have the wrong expectations? Did you not know that they're going to shoot a Fiero into space? <laughs> I mean... I didn't. Oh, God. I did not, I did not know they were going to take a Fiero into space. No. Uh, um, no, I've been... I've, I've, they're ludicrous. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Maybe I was in the bad... The, the previous ones are. I think the like, problem is you and not the I've, movie. I've embraced the ludicrism. Yeah, so what's your problem? I, I couldn't do it this time. It was so dumb. I couldn't dumb down my yeah, brain. Yeah, but to that's a you problem, not an F9 problem. Huh? <laughs> that's a Don Woodworth problem, not an F9 problem. I don't know. I don't know. This one was bad. They need to stop making them. This one was bad. Well, they got two more to go. Oh, they're doing 11? No, they don't. I thought that they were going to do like a double thingy where they like film two of them back to back to release to and that was going to be their last you know that was going to be their big finale swan song baby all right i'm done i'm out i'm out of the franchise i will not see another one you won't even watch it on like video or if it's on hbo max or if it's, if it's on... on hbo max i'll watch it okay but I'm not money on it. he's not gonna plunk well, I, I stopped paying money i mean i guess i rented them i guess that's technically like red box a dollar fifty i'm sorry i'm Going to the theater to see these things. I think we were seeing them at the drive-in. Oh, that's not, bad. that's <laughs> not a bad idea. You can take a nap. <laughs> yeah. Smart. All right. Well, well, to be to be fair, we took uh, me and Parker and Ben and Barbara went. I really wanted to go see The Purge. And Barbara really wanted to see The Purge, but my boys would not have wanted to see The Purge. So this was kind of a, a compromise movie. Well, that's nice. How's that a compromise? You didn't get what you wanted, and they got what they wanted. Well, I mean... That's called I, letting them win, Don. That's not a compromise. That's called I, being a good father. Hey, that's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't go see what your kids want to see if you're hanging with your kids, because you can watch whatever you want when the kids aren't there. I'm just saying it's not really right. a compromise. Well, I, it, I wasn't against seeing it. Sounds like you are now. Going into it. Gotcha. Hindsight's twenty twenty, man. True, true. Scott, Scott, did you did you read the Astounding Wolfman? I did. I made it all the way through it. Sweet. So are, did I. Are we segueing to that? That's a good well, segue. No, we can. Sure. I think I saw. Well, before we leave the movies, I saw Cruella. Oh, how was that? It was all right. Did you watch it with your kids? Uh, yes. I watched it with my daughter anyway. All right, that's good. Because if you're yeah. sitting in your basement watching Cruella, oh yourself, no, no, my I'd wife, be a little worried. my wife wanted to see it, oh, and, okay. and my daughter was home, so whatever. We, we watched it. Scott, Scott would watch that in his basement by himself. I probably would. Okay. Yeah, that is correct. All right. I watch a lot of Disney princess movies. I watch a Disney lot of movies? just Disney stuff in general. Cool. Well, there you go. And Loki. Oh, I'm going to spoil it all for you. No, I watched four. Oh, he died. Yeah, so yeah. that. Yeah. I think you guys will like the fifth one, I, I hope. It's got all sorts of uh, little Easter egg things, I think, to the different comics of the years. Cool. Did you guys see the actor whatever for four? For yeah, where he like shows up in like some weird apocalyptic land with uh, four other Loki Lokis looking on. No, there's an after credit scene. Oh yeah, why are they yeah. putting after credit scenes in the middle of the season? 
And what's really bad is the fifth episode appears not to have an after credit scene. How am I supposed to know if it has an after credit scene or not? Because it's all over the damn web. Jeez. Oh. Pops up on your Facebook and everything else. You don't really need to see it, though, because now the fifth episode leads right into it and we'll, we'll say, you know, previously and we'll show you pretty much the whole scene again. Maybe this is a bold statement, but there's no point in having an after credit scene in a TV show. Get it all in the regular thing. That is probably true. There's just no or point. You can do what I do and just fast forward through the credits of every episode. Hey, I have an idea. Maybe I don't want to fast forward through the credits. Maybe I just want to turn the crap off when I'm done. I don't know. I'm with you, Don. I, I do the same. Yeah, but then you're wasting time fast forwarding through it and then there's nothing there nine out of ten times. It's okay. It's, it's usually it's got cool music and some other of things. Your life. You're fast forwarding through You can't hear the music. I hear little bits and pieces. It's 40 seconds of your life. Yeah, 40 seconds I want back. It's not bad. There's just no point. There's no narrative reason. There is a point, because when it's there, you're very happy. So, like, oh, do I sound happy? Here's one of the issues, though, I've noticed with Marvel and their series that they're putting on Disney+. Plus. I didn't notice it so much with WandaVision, although maybe as it was getting towards the end... You know when they were make when Marvel's making their movies, they trim the hell out of them. I mean, it, they flow. They're fast. They're furious. They're, you know, got the action, got humor, got even, you know, some drama. Whatever you want to say, it's just bam, bam, bam. You know, now that they can tell these things on, you know, throughout, you know, six episodes to eight episodes or whatever else they get kind of bloated in some areas and it just kind of slows down some things. I, like I said, because WandaVision and the style that they were doing with the sitcom thing, I probably didn't notice it as much until maybe towards the end where it seemed like they took a little longer to get to their end point. But with Falcon and Winter Soldier, I noticed it, you know, somewhere in there. See, where that like, one I thought flowed pretty well. I, I think WandaVision stalled at the end. It, but it did stall a little bit and at the I, end. But I, I still think that Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of stalled, especially at the beginning, and then finally started picking up. No, I think and, that was good. But and Loki is stalled a little bit. Loki, I think, is doing the same thing here a little bit. I mean, and it's not much of a... I guess for me, it's the it's the overall. I find that there's certain chunks within... And maybe that was my thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier. There were certain chunks in which I'm watching a 40-minute thing in which it maybe only needed to be 30 minutes or 20 minutes, that they would have 10 minutes of crap I didn't need to, to know or that was rehashes of stuff they had already kind of done, whatever it may be, not really bringing much new to what I thought of the story. And I'm feeling the same thing a little bit here in Loki in bits and pieces. Overall, the, the, the last two episodes have still been really good. They just feel like there's extra crap that really doesn't need to be there for their dramatic effect or whatever they're doing. Yeah, it's hard to do a TV show. You didn't like the 20-minute Build the Moat Boat 80 montage piece? <laughs> In Falcon and Winter Soldier when they're building the boat. Oh, the God. Boat. Yeah, okay. You didn't like that? Is That was probably okay. But then you get uh, another one of those montages, like what? Ten minutes later of him, you know, throwing a shield around. So, right. I, I mean, I, you know, did, did you need all of that, you know? In some I cases? did, Scott. I did all of that. I did. It brought me right back. What I don't yeah. need is an after credit scene that I don't know about in one out of five episodes. Yeah, one out of five episodes. That's what I don't need, Don. That's true. It Nobody was, needs that. It was odd that they decided just to do that out of the blue. It's not even the final friggin' episode. It's 
Is it the second to last? Well, this is now the second to last, the fifth one, so... Is that what was on today? Yeah, and there's no after credit there. Oh, there is no after credit. No, the So, like, zone, on WandaVision, they did it the only... second to last, and this one, they did it two to last. Well, at least on WandaVision, once they started them, they kept going with them. They... Each episode had had an after credit scene. Yeah. And one person theorized it was by the time that the sitcoms caught up to the kind of timeline of what the Marvel Universe Because the Winter did. Soldier didn't have any after credits, right? Uh, yeah, I think they did at one point in time, didn't they? With uh, Maybe I missed it. Maybe oh, one. no, there was one where he was like building a shield, the USA. Yeah, there you go, there you go. All right. All right, all right. Let's do Astounding Wolfman. You want to do some reviews now. You ready, Don? Yep. Okay. Boy, this thing this is... This is Astounding Wolfman by Robert Kirkman and Jason Howard. Oh, that thing is yes. an encyclopedia book. And he, yeah. He's really good at drawing uh, werewolves. Jason Howard? He really yeah. is. That is really good, isn't it? Right on there. And, uh, yeah, I, I... The art in this was probably what kept me going, actually, for a while. Because of the fact that he... He does a really good job of this almost mix of like a, a classic animation, but then would just freaking throw red blood all over the place. Yeah. So I didn't know if I should be kind of like giggling from, you know, just this cartoony animation or like being shocked from all the... All the blood. Entrails and blood and crap going around. So It is a nice mix. Some people get giddy from the blood and entrails. That is true. At least you're not that person. But Astounding Wolfman. So I guess I'll say my little piece and then Don can say his. Because you finished it, right, Don? Yep. Uh, yep. So yeah, this one I feel like really took a while to get going. It, I don't know. It wasn't Kirkman's best for me. And I don't know if it was just the genre of what he was trying best. to do. It just seemed like he gets in there in certain cases and he just talks forever he i mean he doesn't need him to I guess necessarily talk like a caveman but it's like they're just blurting out blah 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 you know like talking to a therapist or something you know and, and sometimes you know and i i felt like sometimes he could move it you know along a bit better and then i think some this suffers because of the fact that maybe because it wasn't his best and he knew the sales weren't there that leads that he would start you know a little bit yeah. he really wouldn't go anywhere with or then he'd have to you know just make some passing thing to or go yeah i threw this in here for this reason and i'll tie it up like this you know real quick you know he doesn't really develop develop it or go anywhere you know with it so i think there's some of that 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 suffers throughout here uh, in some cases i like his bad guy vampire yeah where he tried to do something there a little bit where he's like this guy that you almost at least it seemed like it was a bad guy that had some character to him. Had some nuance. That's right. You know, and things. And maybe you could understand a little bit of where he was coming from in some cases. You know. Um, but I don't know. There's certain things that he throws in there, like his, you know, wife having an affair or something like that. Where he drops, like, this little couple one-page thing where she meets with a guy. Then she, you know, spoiler alert, dies, like, you know an episode or an issue or two later yeah. and then he has to do some like backtracking of doing this whole you know flashback to you know 
the marital troubles that they were having or something, but I still don't, it was like Kirkman's way of going, oh crap, I did have that two-page thing where she <laughs> met with some guy. I guess I better explain why I did that, you know, like five issues later. So yeah, I feel like he was still holding his craft at this point. I, I would I would agree with that. Getting I would his agree. Feet, getting his feet under him. But, and I don't want to discount it totally. It, it still was entertaining, and I felt in some cases it got a little bit better as it went along. It just felt like it definitely was not as polished as some of the stuff. It's it not just, as AAA work. It just didn't keep me as engaged as some of the other things. So Sorry, Don. What do you think? I thought it was fine. <laughs> Good uh, review. I, I really liked the artwork. He... That Josh Howard guy, I mean... Jason Howard. Jason Howard, sorry. Jason Howard, his line work, man, it's like... I don't know. I was studying it a lot, just looking at it. It, it reminded me a lot of, like, Ed McGinnis, I think. It, Ed, is it Ed McGinnis, he's the guy that did the Avengers with uh, Jason Aaron, right? Yeah. First... I know Jason Aaron does a lot of cross-hatching and stuff, but I, I think the feathering... I don't know. The, I liked it. I thought it was very cool. He does know how to draw a werewolf. Um, I thought his art on, like, the people was okay. But then yeah. when he would draw, like, a werewolf for some action, I thought it looked really, really good. Right. I agree with that. Well, in the, in the foreword, I think it was him, and he was saying that he had never... He actually quit his day job to do yeah. this book at the time. And he, uh... He had to find ways to do a monthly book so yeah there were there were some corner cuttings i mean to be fair know, he still draws way that. better than i do <laughs> yeah, what? Me too. he still draws way better than i do well well yeah and to too. be fair what else yeah, has but, jason howard done he did that book uh he did trees i don't know if you ever read trees uh, else. uh warren ellis he also did that cool book where they were like they went to like a different dimension and it was like a, just a chase through the whole book. I can't remember the name of it. Do you remember the name of that one, Don? Was it a Miller? No, but I know what you're talking about. I think it was, it was like five Warren Ellis years. and Jason Howard. It was like oh. pure action, run. They were like oh. trying to get out of the city and they were going through. Yes. They were like in the center of a city and they had to go through each zone. Yes, He yes. did that book. Okay, okay. He works with Warren Ellis a lot now. Oh, that's not good for Maybe, maybe not now. Yeah, maybe not now. He just put out a new book called Big Girls, which I did not buy in a single issue. I'll yeah, pick up the trade. And I bought, I bought that. That's a good book. He's changed his style a lot. Like that book that I was just describing, that I can't think of the name of. That was, uh, it was quite a bit of a difference. It was a lot more jaggedy. Sketchy, it was, yeah, but it was cool. I liked yeah. it. So he's definitely evolved. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, as far as the story, I mean, it was. I was thinking even his tree style it was, was quite a bit different. quite a bit different than this. Absolutely. As far as far as the story goes, I mean, it was very Kirkman-y. I mean, he had his twists and his turns, and you know, the the one guy he thought he killed him, and then the vampire guy got him. I mean, you had that, you know, twist. Yeah, turn and, and I did like the vampire like changing the whole group of superheroes into vampires yeah. under his control. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was a very it felt like a very long, drawn-out, basically, origin story. Because, to me, the shit I wanted to see was the werewolf commandos or whatever at the very end. Yeah, I can understand like, some of that. Yeah. Like, that's the book I wanted to read, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it almost, like I said, it almost felt like it was just a very, it was, it was a very long origin story. 
because you know he he got bit and then that vampire was like well i have to train you and then the, the big guy came back the the main guy that the werewolf and he's like well i was a bad guy so you know i need somebody to take over for me you know i mean but you have to prove really, your worth that's why i changed you so that you could succeed me I don't know. Right. Uh, that's yeah, a little corny. But. It really wasn't Kirkman's <laughs> best, I would say. But, I mean, it's, it's passable. I mean, it's entertaining. The art is entertaining as well. So, I mean, it's an okay book. I'm glad I read it. I feel like it's still better than a lot of other stuff. But, yeah, if you compare it to everything else Kirkman has done, it is probably at the bottom, other than Battle Pope, which may be lower. Never read it. Right. But, well, but I, like I said, I mean, you could... You could definitely, like, if Kirkman's, Kirkman's name wasn't on that book, like, you, that's a Kirkman book. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. early stage Kirkman books. So, oh, yeah. But yeah, obviously, he's learned a lot, but I mean, that, it's still, like Drew said, I mean, I, I liked it. I didn't, I didn't have any problems with it. It was, the art was good and the story seemed okay. Yeah. It did, it seemed to read really fast to me. I didn't think wow. it was overly wordy. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, it read pretty fast. There were a few lulls I thought where it kind of like felt like it was dragging a little. And maybe bit. it was just because of the fact I was losing interest in there, and maybe that's why I felt like it was getting wordy. I don't know. It it just seems like, golly, you I know, the I, middle part where he was in jail, it was almost like they didn't really know what to go from there. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's true. It just kind of dragged, and it's like. He's in jail, and there's this whole subplot with the jail. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I look at pages like, you know, this, where I see dang word bubbles all over the place, and it's just a bunch of those ex-superheroes that are about ready to go kick his ass, you know, type things. Do I need a full page of that? I don't know. Maybe I do. But, you know, I look from there to over here, and it's still just... A whole bunch. I mean, it's not like just a small word bubble of, hey, what are we going to do tonight? It's, you know, they're talking about the better, the bigger parts of inner philosophies or something. I don't know what. And so it just, if for something that I probably wasn't buying into a whole heck of a lot, I don't know that I felt like I needed to, <laughs> I needed to blitz through it quicker, I guess, in some ways. I can see that. I, I just, I didn't have a problem with it. I enjoyed like Don it. does like words, unlike the rest of us. You know, I look at this one. I mean, he blah. reads that Silver Age crap. It's all words. Well, you know, and and this is a kind of a small example, but you know, this one up here. My gosh, it's you know. A nice picture, close up of the guy's face, but then there's probably like. What the hell is it? Eight sentences? I don't even know. It's maybe not that. In which he's just pouring out his guts again about the same damn things, you know, he's talked about throughout the rest of this book, you know, about, oh, my success has breed me to, you know, being somebody that can't focus on the right things. I don't even know what. Uh, you know, it just seemed kind of... And some of it, I think, comes with the fact that he's doing a comic book, you know, that you have to readdress the same things over and over again because of the fact that you are sometimes gathering readers, you know, in some ways, sure. you know, that are jumping on. So I understand the aspects of it. It just seemed like, like I said, I, it wasn't, I think Stan Lee always had a good way, you know, of trying to get somebody to recap right in there, you know, and, and throw something in there real quick. And I, 
I think that Kirkman's honed that a bit better, but in this one, it just felt like, oh my gosh, how many times do I need to read about the fact that his damn daughter hates him, you know, or whatever the heck else, you know, yeah. and, and is, you know, whining about that. And then when she finally gets her chance to kill him, she, like, and she kind of does, she changes all the way to, oh my God, daddy, what did I do? You know, type thing. Like, I don't even know if I understood why it flipped so quick, but, uh, so, she killed her dad. She didn't even kill she him. realized that she shouldn't have killed her dad. Well, I guess that's true, but she didn't kill him. Don't kill your dad. So, um, you know, that was the thing. So, And I thought him in the face, you know, I think especially like to your point, when he was in the prison, I think that lasted like two issues too long, you yeah. know, of him going back and forth with that. And it seemed like they were trying to even do a tie-in with what was going on Invincible, with Invincible at the time. Yeah. So... I could have done without that. I mean, I I would have rather seen what the hell the vampire was doing with his superhero squad for a little while than seeing that type of stuff, you know, the prison. I think there well, was I a think, there was like maybe I, a little bit of a missed, you know, opportunity because the vampire talks about how he wants to take over the world and he gets his whole superhero squad and then he does nothing. He just tries to kill this freaking werewolf guy. I don't know. Yeah, parts of it just felt a little clunky for me. I mean, it works pretty well for the most part, but it just not everything gelled quite perfectly. I mean, Kirkman has gotten so much better. Like, I'm reading Firepower. I feel like that book just flows perfectly. Like, and just... I, didn't we have this discussion about, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Sean Phillips, Ed Brubaker. Oh, yeah. Yes, and the fact that we hold them to such high standards, you know, of things, you know, yeah. that even their mediocre stuff is still 10 times better than these others. You know, Kirkman, I think I high, I tend to do that very often with, because you're right, firepower, um, even what was the one uh, starts with an O or something. Outcast. Uh, well, you had Outcast, that's really good. Oblivion but, Song. But Oblivion Song, while maybe not his best necessarily, is still very entertaining to me. Yeah. You know, it moves at a great pace, you know, and things like that. You know, not to mention, you know, things like Walking Dead, you know, and Invincible. So after reading all that, I hold him to a high standard. And then when I went to Astounding Wolfman, granted, it's one it's of his earlier type stuff, yeah. but it feels like that, like he's still... To, you both made good points that he's got the nice little uh, twists, you know, still in there. He just hadn't really figured out the best points to hit on him, I think, yet, or something yeah. to that effect. Sounds good. I'll do one. I don't have really one. I have, I guess, a couple. But Pound for pound. Pound for pound. Um, I put in a TKO order, TKO Comics. They're like mail order only. I think you can get their stuff on Amazon now, which I didn't realize till after I bought this. Um, pound for Pound. They did that those books that I reviewed a couple years ago. Sarah by Garth Ennis, and then there was uh, a think, Western thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Seven Deadly Sins. Yeah, there you go. So this one I bought just because it looked kind of cool. But the cover that looked cool is not the same cover I got. So the cover of the advertiser is different. But that was fine. Oh. Baby them in. But I really didn't... On their other books, I kind of followed creators for the most part. But this one, I just kind of thought it looked kind of cool. And they had some other stuff I wanted to order. Like some little shorts. So it was easier just to do a big order. So I grabbed this. It's written by Natalie Shydez. And the art is by Andy Bellinger. Um, 
it's an interesting book. It's basically about this girl. She's like an MMA fighter. And she crossed over from Mexico to here illegally when she was like a kid. Her and her little sister and then her parents. Well, her parents were killed on the way across the border by someone. She has like flashbacks to it. She doesn't really know who it was. But some big, giant, hulking guy. And she calls him like... No. Oh. She calls him like El Monstro or something. But anyway, the guy who killed her Sounds parents, like a basically. But she has like flashbacks throughout the book to this guy killing her parents. It was obviously, as as expected, a very scarring experience, right? So anyway, so she's an MMA fighter. Well, she's it starts out she's in a fight. She wins the fight. Turns out she wasn't supposed to win the fight because some big local mob boss guy wanted her to throw the fight. So he's mad at her because he owes her like 20 grand. And so she said, I'll get the money. And so she said, she, she's going to be with the money. But while she's thinking about getting the money, like he kidnaps her little sister. And so she gets mad and she goes and tries to rescue her sister. And she, she recruits like her, some guy like started raising them when they got here, like a father figure type guy. Hmm. So she gets him. He's kind of a badass. And she has like a cop boyfriend who she gets. So the three of them go and they storm this guy's complex and try and get her sister back. Well, they get there and they storm the complex which is kind of where it sort starts to sort of lose me because, like, these three guys, like, somehow take out, like, 20 of these hitmen guy in this complex with, like, no problem. It's like, so, I mean, it's kind of unrealistic. But, I mean, it's a comic book, right? But anyway, well, they turn out that the sister's not there. The guy already sold the sister. So it becomes this story about them trying to track down the sister, and it, you know, reveals this big, like, uh, kind of trafficking ring and all this weird stuff, and... It kind of goes down that little rabbit hole. And there's some twists and turns about, like, who killed her parents. It all kind of wraps around to that and, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's fairly well done. The whole book is, the art's pretty cool. It's by Andy Bellinger. His, uh, his action stuff is really cool, but kind of like Astounding Wolfman. I don't know if his character acting oh, stuff wow. is that, that is good. Really good in there. But it's pretty decent. Um, and then the writer, I looked her up because I was like, the writing just felt a little off for me. Like, she's never really written a comic book before. Like, she's just doing it what she thinks a comic book. So there's a lot of narration from the main character. And so she's just constantly kind of telling the story. Kind of like how Ed Brubaker stuff does. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like it's just not as well done. Like, it just doesn't sound quite as flowy. It doesn't flow as well. Well, she's like a TV writer. She's like a showrunner. She writes for, like, television and stuff. Oh, okay. And so I'm guessing she hasn't done a lot of comics. So I feel like it's just... The writing is good. It's well done. It's 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 adequate, but it's just not quite. There's just something just a little bit off about it. Yeah. But the story's good. The story's interesting. Just the voice of the character almost feels a little forced. Like almost like she's trying to write what she thinks it should sound like. Does that make sense? But the art's pretty good. And Andy Ballinger turns out he's like an actual a pro wrestler on the side. Like in Canada, it's like he's like dresses yeah. up and he's like a wrestler. It says in his bio, it says other word blah blah blah. In Montreal, Andy moonlights as a pro wrestler for IWS, the International Wrestling Syndicate, and wrestles under the name Bob the Animal Anger. Okay, so, so there you go. He's a comic book artist and a pro wrestler. But yeah, this book is pretty decent. Scott would probably like it. Like it's a fun crime story. Um, it's nothing like blowing you away but i mean it's a decent read so but yeah every comic book artist dream to be a pro wrestler right thought it was to be a musician 
or that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's pound for pound. It's pretty good. The cool thing about these TKO books is they're oversized, so it kind of gives the art a lot of room to shine, and it kind of makes it feel kind of like a premium package. But, uh, yeah. It's Deese. It's what? It was Deese. Decent. Deese. Got it. Decent. Right? I get that. I just, right. I've never heard that. Did you just make up that slang? Or? I think he did. Deese? I thought lots of people say that. Scott read Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy. I hope I didn't hype it too much for him. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, good. He liked it. He said it was fantastic. Nice. I liked it. But, okay, so here, talking about writers, you know, and stuff that I like, you know, and, and stuff... Lemire here on this one, you know, you can tell that this is a guy that knows his craft going on, you know, and whatever else, because he takes something that's really... It's like a trope, right? It really is, you know, type stuff. It's a mix of different characters in different ways, things that you're kind of familiar with, but yet he puts a new spin on it, and he makes it engaging at a fast pace, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't quite tap it, but for whatever reason... It draws you in, This right? drew me in. It's very entertaining. You know, I could read more of it, you know, type yeah. type stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the whole idea of this guy who's like a cross between the Punisher and Batman, and then you even find out he has a little bit of, what would you say, maybe a Wolverine or something in him yeah. too, you know, type stuff, and then taking a little... Uh, ward under his belt there to train and stuff uh, was was pretty amusing. So, did you like the art? I thought the artist was really good. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I it, it especially works a lot for this story. Story and yeah. especially a lot when you look at the very back as well and you see what. Lemire was trying to do in some cases and then when this guy came through and goes oh okay what about this I mean the whole skeleton aspect of what he's doing here that the guy designed is just fantastic for yeah. creating something that's kind of menacing yet a little original with even a skull type of look so yeah it, that was really impressive it was funny seeing Lemire's designs in the back. It was. And it's like, oh, I'm so glad they went this way. Oh, I, I, I am too. <laughs> I mean, I like Lemire and everything. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily bad, but this guy's was just that much better. So yeah. The only thing that confused me, okay, at the end of the first issue, all right, there's a line, and it says, of course I would. I had no choice. I was caught in him now, pulled along in his wake. I thought he was the hero. I thought he was saving me. Little did I know he was the real enemy all along, and he would be the first man I would kill. kill. Yeah. Does he, he never kills him, though, does he? How does he kill him? I don't understand how he would be the first man. And even at the end, I didn't feel like he thought he was evil, did he? I mean, I know he chose, not to spoil it, chose to go away, but... Yeah. He didn't no, kill him. I, I, no, he didn't. Um, Are they alluding to something that's going to happen and I, beyond this book? That's what I didn't know either. Were they alluding to something that was happening, going to happen afterward? Was it the fact that maybe he he killed his spirit, you know, in some way by yeah. turning him down? Uh, maybe the part in which he thought he was dead, you know, and stuff. Maybe he thought it was his fault. I, I don't know. I I'm with you. I noticed that. I picked up on that same thing too, wondering. He didn't really kill him, you know, type stuff. And, you know, I could see the reason why he maybe didn't necessarily didn't think that 
while he thought he was the hero, by the time it was all said and done, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he really was. I could see that part, but you're right. The first man I would kill, mm, I don't know. I didn't really get that either, yeah. unless he was trying to allude to something later. Hmm. Interesting. I totally don't even know what you guys are talking about. Skull, That's all good. Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy. Did you read that one? No, I I read it. I don't know what you're re- referencing right now. I don't remember. Yeah, no, 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 that's all good. At least you're familiar, though, with it. That's what I wanted to make sure of. There's but a line in the first issue where he says something and it doesn't really jive with the rest of the story. The little kid that he adopts or whatever is telling, is uh, basically trying to say that, uh, or he's, you know, doing some narration and says that I thought he was the hero, but actually he was the enemy and he would turn out to be the first person I would kill. But as you read through the rest of this little, you know, arc, he never really kills Skulldigger. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, while that line was cool in the first issue, it really didn't pan out by the time I read, you know, the the rest of this little, you know, story. Yeah, at the end, he basically decides not to be the skeleton boy anymore, too. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be sure to ask Jeff Lemire that the next time I see him. What I think he's just planting the, planting the seeds for future stories. That could be. Why don't you just Why don't you just message him on Messenger, Facebook, or Twitter or something? Yeah, like right. he did that. I'm sure like he wants he an, sure, sure he wants an email. Well, considering that you're such uh, good friends with him on a first name basis, I don't think it'd be an issue. I'm not friends with Jeff Lemire on a first name basis. The one time I met him, I asked him something, and I felt like I annoyed him, so I feel bad still about it. Okay. What? You feel bad for asking him a question because it annoyed him? Yeah. I I would feel bad about that. You wouldn't, Don? No. Oh. I'd be like, dude, you're a dick. You're at a show. <laughs> no, he wasn't being a jerk. I, I asked a dumb question. I felt bad about like, like I could have asked a better question. I'm like, you're at a show. You're here to to mingle with the unwashed masses. Right? Like, we're here to slobber all over you and give you praise and ask you to sign a book. Yeah, okay, so I ask you a dumb question. Whatever. Get over it. Well, he wasn't mean about it. Not, I, just, I wouldn't feel it bad It just wasn't the reaction it. I wanted. He wasn't mean like Don was he right mean. now. Jeez. Jeez. So, anyway. All right, what do you got, Don? What? What do you got? I read... I read Dracula, Mother Oh, Effer. yeah, how's that? Dracula, you Mother what? Mother Effort. You know oh. what I'm talking about? I do. It's written by, what's her face? Alex DeCampi. Alex DeCampi, that's her. Yeah, I don't know who the artist was. It was not, let's put it this way. I tried. I thought I'd try something different because it sounded kind of cool. It was better than Birds of Prey? I don't know that I'm going to try something different because it sounds kind of cool anymore. Oh, come on. you got to still try stuff. Just because this one didn't pan out. It was all right. It wasn't terrible. It was very... I wish, I'll have to, I wish I could bring it to show you. It was very, like, artsy. Oh. Like, like lots of... I don't Art? know. Like, lots of stuff. Sometimes you couldn't really tell what was going on. Well, that's not so always like, good. But in an artsy way, so it makes you feel stupid because you don't understand it. Oh. Um, yeah. You don't but like it. It was feel a very stupid. basic story. I mean, like, I followed the story. It was just the art was kind of hard to follow sometimes. Hmm. So, basically, I think it started 
back in the 1700s, whatever. Well, Dracula had, I guess, like three brides. Well, That's they, all? Huh? That's all? I, I don't know. In the story, yes, this is how the story goes. He had like three brides. Well, they got fed up with him, so they basically staked his ass to the curb, which imprisoned him. It didn't kill him, but it imprisoned him. And then they had people that they had like a cult kind of that that like watched over him to make sure that he didn't escape. And then I think it is set in the '60s, maybe the '70s. I don't remember. And uh, there's like this uh, photographer that works for a newspaper, but he goes around and he photo he photographs all the like uh, murder scenes, like all the crime scenes, and somehow he gets involved in it. Well, somehow they I don't remember if they if it's one of the people that are like the members that are supposed to watch over him. Anyway, Dracula gets out. That's somebody never good. Somebody frees Dracula. And so this reporter kind of gets caught up in it and he doesn't realize, like he's chasing the story, but he doesn't realize that it's Dracula and like that he effed up because now he's messing with Dracula kind of thing. And then the end got very weird where I didn't understand it. And then I tried to reach back up in it to see if it would make sense. And it was, it was kind of a different take on Dracula because the the writer that that out is it Alex DeCampi? Yeah. She was just like she was like, Well, Dracula is like the ultimate uh uh what do you call it? Like the ultimate uh spousal abuser kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like like it, they almost twisted it into like he was like, you know, the, the drunken husband beating his wife kind of thing. Like the like the guy from Monsters or what monster yeah. that like so it was odd, but I mean, if you think about it, yeah, it kind of sort of makes sense, I guess, but yeah, I don't know. He's Dracula. It was, it was a very, a very weird, odd book, and I did not like it as much as I wanted to. I didn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say I hated it, like on a scale of... Is it a one-shot? One, yeah, it was like a, it's like a, it was like a hardcover graphic novel. Oh, Okay. But it, it read super fast. Like, it read, God, I don't know, it felt like it was 20 pages it read so fast. But, oh, wow. Uh, um, anyway, it, it was all right. I, I, it doesn't I sound like it was all right. It. Sounds like it was a hard pass. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. Okay. Wow. It was on the low end. Like, it wasn't in the middle. It wasn't five. It was like a two. <laughs> oh, God. A two? Out of, out of what? Out of what? Ten Six? or five? Out of ten. <laughs> two out of ten? <laughs> and that's not awful? Wow. I don't know. That's well, crazy. I thought it was awful. I just didn't want to slam it on the podcast. I didn't enjoy it. Gotcha. But <laughs> it read fast. In any way, shape, or form. At least it like, took you, you 20 minutes. I'll sell it to you. Well, I'm kind of curious to read it now. I'm probably going to love it. With expectations this low, how could I not? I know. You have to bring it on Sunday. I'll bring it. All right. I'm, I'm curious it, now. It might even be, I could just give it to you for a birthday present. Sweet. There you go. <laughs> You'll probably try to give it back to me the next time you see me. That's but, true. But, you know. I'll sell it on eBay. I think. I think this book actually sold pretty well. 
I think it's like a second printing, a second or a third printing. Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't pre-order so, it then? No, I didn't pre-order it. I, I bought it. Like, it was on, I don't know, I just saw it, and I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Because I think when it first What'd came What did you buy out, it on? I, I thought about buying it, but I didn't. Uh, gotcha. You thought Samuel Jackson wrote a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. But nope, it's Alex DeCampi. Nope, it is not Samuel L. Jackson. It probably would have been better if Samuel L. Jackson wrote it. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I haven't read a lot of Alex DeCampi. I know uh -huh. she's, her name is out there, but I don't know what she's really done that I've experienced. Yeah, I don't know. So this is going way back to the beginning of the podcast, but okay. so. Which one? <laughs> this podcast. Like our very, very first one or like? Just no, no, our latest incarnation. Oh, beginning of tonight. 13, episode 13. I thought we were going back like 20 years ago. Where you guys said that, uh, uh, what's face? Uh, Reservoir Dogs, dude. I can't think of his Quentin name. Quentin Tarantino? Quentin Tarantino. Wow. He wrote, he wrote a book? Yeah. Yeah. What book? Once Upon, Once upon a Time in Hollywood. Is it just an adaptation? Yeah, but it's expanded. Huh? He expanded it for the novel. Ah. It's so the like same story. Some things and just yeah. fleshed out the story more? Correct. Huh. Interesting. Yes, ah. it is. I don't remember I a director, writer ever doing that before. I wonder if it's like on Audible. It might be. Maybe he reads it to you. That would be awesome if they had Quentin Tarantino reading it. That would be cool. <laughs> he uh, has sorry. kind of an annoying voice, though. It might not be that cool. Well, maybe they get uh, Samuel Jackson to do it. Now, that might be cool. That might be cool. Can he read? Just kidding. Oh, wow. Jeez. Wow. wow. Just kidding. What? Just kidding. Uh, All right. You got anything else? I think oh, Scott's got Starcadia Quest. I have one more thing. How many more I you got? Just one. I wait. All right, I'll go first then. Yeah, just one. Alright, I read issue 7 of Grindel Devil's Odyssey. So, Grindel Devil's Odyssey, I assume everybody knows who Grindel is. Who's that? Grindel. <laughs> He's the Matt Wagner creation. Oh. So, Grindel is like kind of in a force of nature, aggression type thing. I think throughout time, there's always one appointed Grindel. It kind of like goes between different people. Well, this is like in the far, far future. And so Grindel has been sent on a journey to try and find a new place for Earthlings to inhabit because the planet they're on is falling apart. It's global warming. I don't know. Good old apocalyptic story. So he's basically looking for a place. So he's the series has basically been him going to a different planet trying to find a place where the human race can reestablish itself. Why does he look like Venom? I don't know. He's way before Venom. Maybe Tom McFarlane stole it. Ah. But anyway, he's on this planet where they have this weird... Uh, Why does Venom look like Grindel? That's the real question. Because Grindel is... was created before Venom. Correct. That's what I said. So, in this issue, he's on this planet where they have this thing called the Ordeal. Where anytime anybody has a disagreement, they have to meet in combat in like an arena and fight to the death. Whoever wins, wins the agreement. The trick is that you can hire someone to stand in for you. 
in the battle. So the rich people just hire like a really good warrior, and so the rich people, the powerful people, always win because you fight against some poor farmer boy, and you know you just hire some warrior to demolish him. Well, Grindel finds this planet. He thinks it has potential, so he wants to basically abolish this this uh, process. So he challenges like the president of the whole like civilization to combat. And supposedly this president is some kind of badass and has never lost a battle or whatever. So he's in combat with him, and then the president comes out. It took me a while to figure it out. But this is where we see the president. He's, a, he's this tiny guy. Who does that remind you of? Ant-Man? Yoda. No, nah, you're both wrong. I didn't get it at first, but as he starts to talk, he says things like, Kind of reminds me of the old... I'm going to win. Let's face it. You think I'd ever be defeated by this loser who wants to upset our whole way of life? He's an enemy of the people. Did you hear that? Oh. The things he says are wrong. So wrong. It's fake words. Now, do you Trump. get it? Yeah, it's totally Trump. So is Trump is the leader of this civilization or whatever. Is he orange? He is orange with blue hair. Nice. I guess you can't see the pictures, right, Don? No, I cannot. So that really didn't work very well. Who does this look no. like to you, Don? But anyway, so Grindel ends up demolishing You would have figured him. it out. But. If you could have seen the pictures, I didn't until he said it. Then I but anyway, so obviously it's a wash because if you kill the people's leader in front of them, they don't really want you to come inhabit their world. So, But this is issue seven of eight, so I'm not quite sure how this thing is going to end or if maybe there's going to be another series or something. But I thought that was interesting that I understand that most comic book artists really hate Trump. And it seems like a lot of them try to... I just think it kind of ages the work. I mean, Grindel's been around since, like, the 80s. So we're talking, like, 40 years. I don't know if putting, like, a Trump character, character in your comic really is the best to have an enduring... You know what I mean? Like, why would you do something so topical? Does that make sense? Yeah. And this book was way delayed. So maybe this happened back when Trump was... He planned to publish this when Trump was still president. But now that Trump's gone, it's like, I really just want to forget about Trump. So it kind of falls flat there, too. Like, I mean, why are we... If he was still president, I could kind of see it, but I don't know. CNN doesn't want to forget about Trump. I mean, they're still talking about him every night. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, I mean, he's not president anymore. So, I mean, we really don't have to give him that you much. You think that would be enough, but it's not. It's not, which is fine. But I'm just saying, I mean, I just... I mean, I think on social media, like, everybody's not complaining about him as much as they used to. Like, it's kind of old news to some degree. Yep. And so this I, just kind of fell flat for me a little bit. I agree. Another thing that's interesting, why do comic book artists keep getting their sons to color their works? Like, this one is colored by Brennan Wagner, Wagner Matt Wagner's son, and all of Sean Phillips and Brubaker stuff is colored by the, Sean Phillips' son. You got to keep it in the family, dude. I guess I so. Know. But his, his son's actually a pretty cool artist. He did this cool pinup right there. You can't see that either, can you, Don? No. That's too bad. It's really nice. It's a pretty cool pinup. <laughs> so, anyway. It's Thanks, cool, Scott. man. <laughs> so, here's another thought that came in as I was pondering this. Because that uh, Sean Phillips' son, what's his name? I don't know his name. But anyway, he's writing a book for Image as well, like that Texas Blood or whatever. Do you think when he wrote those scripts, he like said, hey, can we get Brubaker to kind of look at these and give me some hints? I don't know. Wouldn't it be cool if Brubaker was like 
a collaborator with your dad and you wrote a script and be like, hey, could you have Brubaker kind of look these over a little bit? And, do some... <laughs> and that'd be a sweet deal, right? Hey, you know what? It'd kind of be like if uh, you were J.J. Abrams' kid and you wanted to write a Spider-Man story and you said, hey, Dad, don't you know somebody over at Marvel? Well, the difference... Like, oh, yeah, the I difference... guy. And like, hey, let's do a story. The difference oh, is that cool. is that... You can write it. The difference with that is J.J. Abrams put his name on it, right? Yep. This, Jacob Phillips, at least he's writing it himself. I'm just saying it's cool, like, if your dad works with Ed Brubaker and you're writing a crime comic book, you can totally say, hey, could you just, like, give me some notes or something, you know? I mean, right. that's pretty sweet, I'm just thinking. Well, it's Not bad, too, if, but at least he didn't say, hey, Ed Brubaker, would you, like, co-write this with me? We can put both our names on it and, like, sell it that way. He didn't do that. And at least he's making his own book and not, like, trying to write Spider-Man or something. Right. But. I guess you said that Spider-Man book was good though. It was pretty good. It was it like your favorite one since like uh, the one where Doc Ock was Spider-Man. <laughs> it's just it's what really irritated me was that it was late. Yeah, that is irritating because like what's that kid got to do? Right. I I agree. Don't don't come into my world, little dude, from somewhere, and then, you know, don't deliver. That's right. At least fucking deliver. It's like when Kevin Smith wrote Green Arrow. Right. That's that guy. <laughs> All right. Scott's going to do Starcadia Quest. I read Starcadia Quest, Heart of a Star. A lot of words. There is a lot of words in this thing. <laughs> and that's where part of the problem exists in this. I mean, it wants to be... It wants to be humorous. Uh, it's, it's trying to be, I think, you know, for maybe an all ages type of thing. It's it's there. It's obviously an attempt to kind of tie in with, you know, their board game, you know, in some way and give it some uh, background story and type type stuff and build this world with board games and things. But it, I don't know. There's there's nothing really. It's much not here. for you. No. I bought these in single issues. I think I gave them to Zach to read. And Did you really? I, I bet you he there. liked them. I think he liked them. Yeah. I could see this being, that would be about the age range, you know, type of mm. things for, for people to like. Uh, it, it's, it's too wordy, you know, for yeah. me. You know, there's a lot of that. But they're also just trying to do zingers of jokes, you know, and yeah. other type of stuff that's through it. Honestly, though, the art I didn't find too bad. It's a cool style. It's it kind is. Of like a cartoony. Yeah, I mean, well, you got that kind of chibi, cartoony style, chibi. you know, type of things going through it. I can't remember the artist, though. It's like uh, I, kind of a Hispanic name, I think, or something. Aurelio Mazzara. Yeah. Aurelio. I can't pronounce that. I'm sure I'm butchering it. I apologize. Yeah, artist but, guy. I mean, overall, I, I kind of like the art, you know, going through it. I mean, that kept kept going, you know, through, through a lot of it. Um and I don't know. The overall gist of it is, though, it's trying to introduce, like, a couple of characters, I think, that, you know, you can get in the core game of Arcadia Quest, and it gives them a little bit of background story, you know, where one guy is, you know, on the front here. He's trying to make it big and, and get his own ship and crew so that he can go around and pick up stuff and try to make the galaxy a better place and and stuff and they end up you know his best friend you know gets into a large sum of money helps get a ship they find another crew member and then they accidentally get sent and find go to some 
come some planet that's getting attacked by the big bad of the world and they have to end up, you know, doing what they can to, to save the day, you know, and stuff. And at the end, he's got a, got his own little crew then. And so for further adventures to follow, but it, it's all right for what it is. Cool. I mainly got it though, because of the fact that it came with the uh, promo extras for the board the games, games, you yeah. know, type yeah, stuff. Yeah. So cool. And there was, uh, what is it? This is from Simon, their attempt to try to publish some comics. And there was four other comics that they also had at the same time. One for the Cthulhu Death May Die. Oh, okay. One for the Zombicide Modern Edition. Uh-huh. One for Zombicide Invader. Oh, nice. And one for Rising Sun. Oh, cool. As well. Uh, that game for Maritime. So, um they didn't do Arcadia Quest. They did not do Arcadia Quest, which was interesting. They also didn't do uh, Blood Rage, you know, type of uh, things either. I don't but know what kind of comic that would be. I don't know either, but I just found it interesting that they picked Rising Sun. And, yeah. you know, you could do a Viking, you, could do you know, type of thing. So, so, yeah, so I don't know. But, hmm. cool. All right. Arcadia Quest. What do you got, Don? So, I have a surprise. Anyway, I read, I bought the uh, Conan, the Marvel, the first 12 issues. It was a nice oversized hardcover, the Jason Aaron, Mahmoud, Azra, or whatever, Conan run, when Marvel rebooted Conan not too long ago. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. So, I read that. How was that? It looks pretty cool. It was good. The art's cool. There's a couple uh, fill-in issues. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Zafrino or something. I love it's that kind Doesn't uh, Inky Knuckles represent him? Gerardo uh, Zafrino? It's possible, yeah. That guy's amazing. At least his covers are. I don't know how his interior stuff is. Um, it was good. I mean, it was... Uh, you know, I haven't read a lot of Conan. Yeah, and this this one kind of jumped around. I mean, but it, towards the end of it, it it was uh, towards the end of each issue, there was like a subplot that was like the end of Conan's life, like how Conan would die. Like there was this witch that he double crossed like early on, and then uh, he he slept with her, and then she turned into a witch, kind of like in a movie, but not really. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. But anyway, she gets pregnant, and then she has these two kids, and so she raises these kids to to be able to kill Conan, and um, so their whole life they're like trying to kill Conan, huh. um, but they have to wait until he's a king, like they can't kill him before he becomes King Conan. Gotcha. And so this, so like the last two pages of every issue might have a little snippet of the storyline you know what i mean yeah like it would be a total just a total one-off conan story and then you'd have like two pages at the end of each issue and then like i think like the last issue or maybe the last two issues like deal with that storyline and like tie it up but could i borrow this huh can i borrow it yeah because yeah, they're not putting those I mean, conan comics on the marvel unlimited app because i don't think they have the rights to the digital Oh. Distribution? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I liked it. Um, there, there were a couple 
you know, stories that kind of stood out. And, How many and arcs just, is it? Like, there's there's a, a story. How many arcs is it? Huh? How many arcs? They're all single issues. Oh, every issue is its own story? Yeah. Oh. I Like I said, except for, I think, like, the last two maybe tie in. But, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, one issue, he's like a pirate on a ship. One issue, he's whatever. I mean, yeah, each each issue is a single issue. Um, there's one that I that I kind of stood out that I really liked. It was when he was, uh, he was king, Conan. And he was king, and so, like, he's bored because he's Conan. You know, like, he's an adventurer. He's, like, sick and dying because he doesn't have action adventure. And... Like, I can't remember how it, but he hooks up with this lion. And so he he basically becomes Batman. So, like, he's going out at night in a disguise with this lion and, like, busting up crime, like, in his kingdom. <laughs> none, of the, none of the people that, uh, like, none of his advisors or anybody in the palace, like, nobody knows that he's doing this. And, like, he'll come home and he'll sleep all day. And they're like, why are you so tired? Like, why don't you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's even like, he's even like talking to his, his, uh, I think he's like talking to like his royal guard or whatever. And he's like, hey, he's like, what, what's going down tonight? Like, where's the crime happening? And they're like feeding him information and then he'll sneak out of his castle and go and like bust up cr- criminals and stuff. But, uh, nice. Conan slash Batman. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was good. Like I said, um, I've really, I've never read the books. I think you have, so I mean, yeah. I don't really know that much history of Conan. I mean, I've I've seen the movies, and I've I've read a few of the Marvel issues, but that's all I've ever read. So I thought if anybody could get me interested in Conan, it would be Jason Aaron. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, he did really good because I mean, he talks about it in the book that you know he grew up being a big conan fan and that was like his dream gig he wanted to write conan and you know it's, it's kind of you can tell you know when somebody's really digging what they're doing yeah rather than cashing a paycheck and, and it 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 was really good so but cool. yeah you can definitely borrow it i liked it cool yeah i've been wanting to read this nice is it a hardcover do what is it a hardcover yeah yeah it's i think it's even one of those like they're oversized you know what i mean like nice it's not huge but i mean it's like marble the standard marble oversized hardcover but yeah cool so awesome that's all i read did you read watchmen i did i read watchmen all right issue six best issue ever issue six is this the rorschach is captured it's his origin. It's his and, origin. And other things. But I like the way that they interspersed his kind of origin with what's going on at the at the prison. And, you know, the psychiatrist is trying to help. This overly optimistic, you know, happy, sunny day guy, you know, interviewing him. And how the end uh, <laughs> kind of... Uh, Take so take some of the sunlight away from that guy, sunny disposition away from him. Yeah, he really does. Rorschach, I loved his that character when I first read Watchmen. He was like my favorite character. Really? 
Because hmm. he's so dark and grim and gritty, and I was so into that at that You're age. Into that, like yeah. when I was 15 years old, it's like I wanted stuff to be, you know, real and dark and gritty. Because everything when you're a kid is so happy go lucky, you know. Huh. Rorschach has such a great attitude. He's like, the world is shit. People are shit. You know, it's like, and there's so much truth to that. It's like, people are scum. You know, I mean, it's like. I don't know. When you're 15, you know, you're all angst-ridden and stuff. So it's, like, totally telling you exactly what you want to hear, right? Huh. So, okay. I don't know. That's just me, personally. But, yeah. I mean, I love Rorschach. But, yeah. Now that you're 30 years older, you're... I still stirs that, like, you know, cynicism in me. And it's like... Oh, yeah. So you still like the character? Oh, yeah. I love okay. Rorschach. Okay. Well, I love the prison scenes. Like, you were saying the prison scenes? Like, when he... Uh, yes. When he, like, fights those guys and he throws that hot stuff on that guy. Oh, and, yeah. And, like, he's like, dude, I'm not stuck in here with you guys. You guys are stuck, stuck in here, here with, with me. me. That is so <laughs> good. It's so good. I love that. That's a great line. I know, dude. I love it. And it's like, I'm sure people have said that before or since then. Yeah. But that, as a kid, that's the first time I ever heard that. So, for me, it was like, oh, it's such a great line, you know. I don't know. Maybe people haven't. Maybe Alan Moore was the first one to really say something like that. But, I don't know. It was just such a cool line and such a cool situation. But, yeah. I love hearing his backstory and all that good stuff. Cool, cool little sidebar, which I don't know if you guys know this or not, but when he's talking to the psychiatrist and he tells him about that lady that gets murdered, uh-huh. and he's, she's like screaming for help and there's like 40 people standing around and they don't do anything. Yeah. That's a real, that Kitty Genovese, that really happened. Like, that's a real lady. Really? That literally happened in New York. Yeah. See? Watchmen is back real in life. like the 50s, I think. Wow. 50s or 60s. Because I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and I listened to a podcast about that. And when I was reading it, the name, that scenario sounded familiar, and the name sounded familiar. So I Googled it, and yeah, that's that's it. So. Wow. Yeah. That's a nice little piece of trivia there. No huh. kidding. That's interesting. Right. Yep. I do like him um, looking at the ink blots and talking about it. And look at the colors used back there behind, you know, Rorschach and his psychiatrist, you know, there. You know, where his especially were always, like, yellow for a long time. And then Rorschach might be this mild green, you know, when he's trying to do stuff, or browns. But then I think it got kind of darker, you know, when he was looking at some of the, when he was thinking darker image, images and things. So I, I like the use of colors, I think, throughout there. What I love is, as I'm thinking about Rorschach, the character, each character in Watchmen, like of the main characters, they each have a very distinctive view of the world. You know what I mean? Like, each have a very different... And that's kind of what the book is about, is all those different characters and their different views. Views, you know? yeah. Like, Dr. Manhattan, he's, like, all-powerful, but just kind of aloof, right? And then Vite, you know, he's optimistic, but he wants to control everything and make the world a better place, but only on his terms, kind of yeah, thing, right? Yeah. And Rorschach's like, you know, the world's crap, you know, all we can do is fight against it the best we can, but the world is ending, who cares? It's but the comedian thinks that the world is crap, and I might as well just go along with it. Yeah, exactly. He's he's like, he has the same attitude as Rorschach, but he has a different, you know, outcome or whatever. Yeah. And like, uh, the owl, he's just kind of like... He's like your everyman. He's like, he just takes it as it comes, you know. He takes the world as it comes. Doesn't try to make any big, bold moves. He's just like, it is what it is. You just got to make your best way in it. And, you know, I think that's probably how most people are, right? Yeah. Like, he's the everyman, right? He's like, yeah, 
sometimes the world is crap, sometimes it's good. You just kind of take what it gives you, you know, type of thing. So I, it's it's fascinating. But I, I think that's why the book works, because he's got all these characters that have these different, you know, attitudes. Yeah. I really I really like in this issue, like, the, the psychiatrist, how he's like, yeah, I got the Rorschach case, like, I'm going to help him, like, you know. He just needs somebody to talk to and understand him and, like, be his buddy. He <laughs> thinks he's his buddy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, Rorschach is just, like, you know, playing along, and then finally he just, like, no, it's a split open. It's a dog with his head split open. He's like, well, how'd that happen? He's like, I did it. <laughs> like, you know, just kidnapped this kid and I came to the house and you know it's this gritty story and you see the change in that guy's face like after he leaves cause he's like oh shit What's he's the like, thing? I thought this was gonna be easy like I was gonna be famous write a book and you know I'm gonna be able to solve this case and he's like no this dude's really fucked well like, not so much that but he starts out like he's gonna make Rorschach like him but Rorschach actually makes him more like Rorschach right yeah right like he yeah, brings then, instead of him bringing Rorschach up Rorschach brings him down to his level down. right and then you're like you know he's at the dinner party and the, you know it's the the happy-go-lucky couple that are clueless they're like oh so I hear you're working with that Rorschach dude like you hear any good stories and he's like yeah actually I did you know he's like yeah I killed this kid and like dogs ate her bones and stuff and blah 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 and then they're just like jaws drop and then the next scene is like his wife leaves the table and then she leaves the house yeah i'm like wow that's a way to stop a fucking party <laughs> but uh but yeah yeah it's a good issue like i said i i like i like the character kind of like drew said i mean yeah i mean you know i don't know that i i don't know that i read this until because I probably tried to read it, like, when it came out, but I didn't really get it. Like, it didn't interest me. It was, it was too above me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where I was. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to Rorschach, too. I mean, just because, you know, he he's like the grim and gritty, like, Batman. He's like what Batman should have been, right? Sorta, but... He's like a realistic Batman. Like, if Batman was really out there fighting, like, crime, he would become like Rorschach. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like so, how they yeah. say, like, police, they see so much crime and horrible stuff, you know, eventually it just kind of gets to them, you know, and they become kind of numb to it or cynical about it, you know? Well, he Is did... that how Batman would be if he was out there every day dealing with all this crap? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, in a Batman comic, he never deals with, like, real bad crimes, you know? I mean, maybe modern ones he does, but, like, you know, the old stuff he never did. Prior Watchmen... It's just like, well, oh, you know, bank robbers, you know, not like child killers. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Rorschach is is a is a sad case though. I mean, he's a product from some for some part he's a product of his childhood. I mean, he had a terrible childhood. He was abused. Uh, he did, but know, what he I found bounced around. But what I found and interesting, I love, they I said love that, that line. Obviously, I love that line. Like, you know, it said. Uh, when he was informed that his mom died, he's like, good. Good, yeah. <laughs> like, damn, man. Like, wow. But at one point, they were saying how, like, once he got away from his mom, he was, like, doing well in school, and he was seemed like he was adjusting, you know, and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Like, he was, you know. I don't know if he really adjusted, but it did seem like he found a new... 
area to to put his efforts, I guess, and stuff and things. You know, yeah. dedicating himself more to school and, and things. Because yeah. it wasn't like he was necessarily a a bad person by any means or something. He even as a kid he was trying to do the right thing. He just didn't know what it was. Yeah. You know, and how to do it. You know, so it is a case of somewhat his personality and putting him into a different environment perhaps helped him in some ways, but that poor childhood was probably hard to to overcome in some other other areas too. I don't know. Yeah, well like when he, they were talking about how like when he first he was talking about how when he first fighting crime he was just pretending to be a real shock right he was still oh, Walter yeah. Kovacs yeah. and he said and he's like and I think at then he was just kind of like that weird not quite adjusted guy but right. yet he had good intentions and he was a, still a good person yeah. but that one case it broke him right like he saw enough stuff and enough stuff he witnessed it broke me he just gave up right yep and he became Dude. this horrible like didn't care anymore and just wanted to kill criminals type yep of thing. it's like seven is it? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Do you want to elaborate on that? Because I don't get it. Well, I mean, isn't that the whole thing with Seven at the end? I mean, Brad Pitt was this, you know. Yeah, trying to corrupt I'm him. I'm going to go after everything, go get him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, uh, same, you're right. Yeah, from that aspect. The, you know, I've seen everything. I'm the veteran. You know, this is going to kick your ass. And then... You know, he gets involved in some shit. And it kicks his fucking ass. I mean, yeah. that's the that's the movie. Like that movie doesn't end on a on a on a happy note. Like it ends on a horrible note. Yeah. But I want to see seven too. Like I want to see where Brad Pitt's at after that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think he's in jail. I think they were like, yeah. <laughs> Do what? I think he's in jail for shooting Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when he gets out. <laughs> Guess he's not a very happy person. Right, but, but I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like no, totally. Yeah, I did. Rorschach's into shit. It finally broke him. Yeah, I mean, it broke him, exactly, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Well, hell, I mean, I was just watching... I was I was away and I watched that... Uh, what's the movie with um, Denzel Washington that came out on HBO? The Little Things? Yeah, Little Things. Like, it, it was on. And so, I mean, I... I I got in the middle of it, stuck with it to the end. And I mean, that dude snapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, kind of, you have that, I I guess. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's I think it happens. I mean, I mean yes. I don't work in law enforcement, yeah. but I think those people who see that every day, I think it does eventually just get to them, you know? Yeah. I'm sure it's got to be hard to maintain a positive attitude. <laughs> Seeing the right. worst of humanity day in, day out. Yeah. I mean, it's rough. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah. I, I like the issue. I thought it was a I pretty agree. strong one. I agree. I enjoyed it. it. It's, for me, I felt it was one of the faster read issues. Yeah, it didn't really have a lot way. that really slowed it down. And you, you had seen enough of shock here in his backstory. You were kind of intrigued and wanted to learn more. Yeah. So. But I never felt like anything got overly wordy. You know, yeah, I mean the flowed. words. There were yes. a lot of words, but it they yes, all were but they words. were very purposeful and Correct. needed. You know, throughout it, it yeah. flowed. You know, just boom, boom, boom. Correct. You know, going with it. 
And I even read the back matter, which I think was mostly stuff that was in the front. Like, I mean, I think it was all stuff that they kind of covered. Kind of covered it in different ways, yeah. But it yeah. still was interesting. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, actually, I found the back matter in this issue not to be as enlightening, maybe, as Correct. some of the yeah, others. Yeah, it really wasn't. Yeah. It felt redundant to yeah. some degree. It's a story. It really is, yeah. It's basically a Well, I mean, story. no, he wrote that story. Oh, yeah. There was a story. Yeah, he wrote the story about his parents, and he wrote the story about his dream. Yes. Yeah, there were, those two were new. Yeah. But, so, cool. We're halfway. Wow. Is that what that, that was six? I think so, right? Dang. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. What? We're halfway through Watchmen. That was six. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Cool. Alright. Sounds good, man. I think that's all we got. Got anything else done? Parting shots? Nope. Scott? Nope. Alright. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.